Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment, a service of Converge Coaching here with our good friend, mentor, and coach, John Opaluski. John, how are you today? Jim, I'm doing great. Good to see you. Terrific. We are so excited, and it's such an honor. This will be the first time we've ever done this, but we have a guest on our show, and not, not just any guest, but today we have with us Doug Clay, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God Fellowship. Uh, he's not only a, a General Superintendent, but in addition to this, his role, man, Doug has held several other positions within the, the National Assemblies of God office and pastoral roles in local churches. So he brings to us today, a, I think, a really great perspective on on just, you know, uh, it isn't just an administrative view or a local church view. He's got the 10,000 foot view and he's got the foot shoulder uh, view as well. So welcome, Superintendent Clay. Hey, thanks, Jim. And thanks, John. Nice to meet you. And thanks so much for what you're doing just to come alongside uh, pastors, leaders, churches to help them uh, just fulfill their calling more effectively. You know, one of the byproducts of kind of what we've come through are, are things just like this, people forced to come together on Zoom to, in real time, share best practices on how to respond to things that changed from yesterday that they were responding to. So I just want to commend you, and I want to commend all of the leaders in Michigan. Um, thank you. Thanks for uh, just leading well and wanting to do it right. Awesome. Well, Doug, thanks for being with us. Uh, uh, one of the questions that, that we, Jim and I wanted to ask you is, what, what do you see happening in local churches across the country during the pandemic? What, what are some of the things that you're noticing? Yeah, you know, one of the first observations in our tribe that I noticed is that innovation can really happen no matter what size of the church. You know, a lot of times you think getting up and going to be uh, creative digitally. Well, I've watched a lot of small churches uh, be innovative. And, and let's be honest, uh, my understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit, he is the primary source for innovation and creativity. So we as uh, Spirit-empowered Pentecostal people should be the most innovative. So that's been really cool. I think another observation uh, that's been delightful for me to observe is the generational connection um, that this is created. Now, I represent the Assemblies of God. That's a 106-year-old fellowship, and we've got a lot of different genres. We got a lot of different subcultures, and a lot of those subcultures are kind of defined by age. But I had an interesting situation. You know, early on, you, you needed the millennials and the Zers to help the builders and the boomers get up and what's Zoom and how do I do online and how do I unmute when I'm talking and you know, what's a unique user, all that kind of stuff. But I, I kind of want to pray that we don't lose that because three weeks ago when King and Country was doing a benefit conference, a concert for Convoy of Hope, I watched retired pastors and youth leaders give thumbs up to what was going on there. So there's been a generational connection that's taking place. So I appreciate that. I would say one other, again, from the 10,000 balcony seat that, I, um, that I'm observing is that I, I think we've had a wake-up call 
that just the attractional model for church isn't in and of itself always going to work. And now don't get me wrong here. Probably for the last five to seven years, again, in the Assemblies Tribe, we've done very well at developing an attractional model, our guest experience and hospitality and follow-up and all that. But, you know, about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, that attractional model came to a screeching halt. And now all of a sudden, it wasn't about an attractional model. It was, uh, uh, we got to go be the church. We had to be a representative. So um, I'm very, very grateful that I have watched the body of Christ, the church, kind of take the lead and um, and responding during this time. And so, uh, um, yeah, it's probably a long answer to a That's brief great. question. But for some of the things that I've just kind of am watching, and I hope we don't lose. I hope we learn from and continue to grow in that area. So let me ask you this, Doug, that, you know, from, from your perspective, testimonies are very important to a culture, to a tribe. Can you just give us a couple of stories of just the best thing that you've seen happen come out of this? Maybe it's a small rural church or it's a, a compassion ministry in the inner city or what? What really has been the story that's made you cry and made you smile? Yeah, I'll give you a, a corporate one and an individual one. An individual one is um, uh, a friend of mine named Tim Enlow. Tim is a, an itinerant minister in our fellowship and has a real gift of not only teaching, but praying for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I said, Tim, let's do a little thing on Facebook Live on seeking the Holy Spirit while you're sheltered in place. So we did. We just talked about, uh, we, we shared our both of our experiences of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and where it was at. And some people aren't wired to having a lot of people around them. So we just stopped and said, hey, let's pray for people who might be seeking the Holy Spirit, sheltered in place. And about all we could do was put the palms of our hand in front of our cameras and start praying. I have received six emails of individuals who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit by, by talking about it and praying for it on a Facebook Live platform. So, you know, that's cool. I just think that that's really cool. I think one of the other things that I've appreciated. It also leads into a little caution, but I think some of our smaller churches can realize the breadth and the depth and the scope of their reach while being online. So a church that might only be running 120 and what we had 700 people that clicked on. That's exciting. Now I caution you as we come back into this, or I should say, as we come out of this, Let's be careful not to monitor our missional effectiveness by unique users, because there is still something to uh, uh, connecting with people and spiritual formation. But um, you know, early on, I was interviewed by a uh, by a secular media outlet, and she kind of threw out the question. She says, "Do you believe that this uh, that this pandemic is a result of the work of Satan?" And you know, I. I knew we're bad, and I like you know. Well, look, we live in a fallen world, and so I really felt prompted to just sort of pivot. And I said, you know, we live in a broken and a fallen world ever since man fell. But let me tell you how I feel about this. I said, you know, in the last two weeks, when I consider how far-reaching gospel messages have happened around the world, I said, this is my take. 
there's a scripture that says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. So I said, I don't know, this all might be a great uh, a precursor to a loud trumpet blast. And if that's the case, cool, just blast the trumpet, let's get carried away. But if not, it is helping us to become missionally fruitful and really dialed in on, on how we package and present and take the gospel. So yeah, that's kind of uh, was one of my answers. It, it reminds me of the old Dana Carvey uh, church lady skit on Saturday Night Live. You know, is could this be Satan? I, like literally, she asked you that. What a funny unique spin. Uh, so, Doug, um, as you think about coming out of the post-quarantine uh, era here, season, what are what are maybe two or three foundational? principles you'd like to see local churches carry forward uh, from, yeah. from this? That's a, that's a really good question, John. I, I think, first of all, I want to protect our church leadership from having uh, unrealistic expectations for the first Sunday that they can meet. Mm. You know, In fact, I'm encouraging our churches, don't confuse the first Sunday that you can meet with your formal relaunch. Because let's be honest, if we were going to, if we had the green light to open up today, okay, today, I guarantee you, you're probably only going to reach about 50% of your capacity. There's still an element of fear. There's still an element of caution. There's still an element. So not everybody's going to come back right away. So, so protect yourself from having an unrealistic expectation about that. One of my second, um, this is just, just as, I don't have any real anecdotal uh, data for this. It's just kind of my own watching. I think there's going to be a huge craving for koinonia, true koinonia. Um, you know, right up till this thing broke, we were, we, were, we were humming pretty good with our digital communication. We were connecting with our people with text messaging. We were Facebook Live and platform. And now all of a sudden that we've been limited to only digital in our relationship, I think there's going to be a huge craving. In fact, I watch in my neighborhood, my neighbors bring their lawn chairs out, sit in the driveway just to kind of, hey, what's going on? Hey, we, we have bonfires going on in driveways. And so I, I, I pray that the Lord will help us to capitalize on sort of that hunger uh, yeah. for relational ministry. Um, at the same time, I think our children, our kids, have probably taken the biggest hit. They've, been, they've, had, mm. they've had the biggest brunt. Most online services that I watch, and I, I've been the biggest church shopper and church hopper since this has occurred. <laughs> I get to about six of them in, in, on Sunday mornings, but most of them, unless they have a separate channel for a full-fledged children's ministry, most of them are only given about a little 10-minute object lesson. And even, even in some states that are loosening their restrictions, families, when they come, have to be together. They either have to be together in their car or they have to be together in, uh, in, in a, in a six-foot social distancing ring. So I pray that we'll be very conscientious to our elementary age, junior high age students as we come back, because I think they're the ones that are going to feel the brunt of this, mm. uh, uh, this gap and this separation from church life. So, so Doug, if I could just ask you a quick follow-up. One of the first things you mentioned to this question was um, that there's going to be a fear factor uh, when it comes to 
gathering back together and for pastors to kind of right size their expectations in terms of who's, you know, how, what their attendance is going to look like that first few Sundays. How would, how, how do pastors respond to that fear factor? How do they address that with their, their people who are feeling skittish perhaps about yeah. gathering in a large Yeah. Great question, John. I, I, I think there's a practical way and then maybe a spiritual way. I, I think in a practical way, um, go overboard to communicate how well you have prepared to create your mm. houses of worships to be safe, <laughs> that you follow guidelines, you over sanitize. If I were pastoring, I'll tell you probably for my first four Sundays, I would have people who are obviously sanitation people. They're walking around, you know, uh, the open doors and prior to them coming, I would walk through what have we done to prepare you from a safety perspective because that's what they're going to be used to. They're going to be used to the, to the arrows on the Walmart floor. They're going to be used to the glass in front of the drive through window. So if we could just, in a practical way, say we want to be good stewards and our risk management approach, we're taking that very seriously. And then I think the spiritual side to that is just um, begin to talk about that. For example, um, if you come back in stages, why don't you ask your core people to be the last to come in? That you open it up for those who are relatively new to you that are younger and don't have a fear to it and, uh, and just sort of ease back into that um, and, and do it with those who've checked you out online or those who are uh, who perhaps were one out of four weeks coming up to that. Well, well, that's kind of the new norm for a core. But I think I'd ask my core, those who are all in your church, would you be the last to come back so that we can make this uh, accommodating uh, for those? And then, um, uh, yeah, the particular needs and circumstances of your own local congregation, I'd, I'd take that. I'd, I'd let our people know, hey, we have consulted um, with our church insurances that what we are doing is actually exceeding the recommendation for sanitary requests. So I think if you just take the combination of the practical, the spiritual, um, and then I think, um, I think if I were pastoring and we got opened up today, I would still do all three. I would be online. I would do the drive-in, but I'd also, all right, if I can only do 25% uh, in the sanctuary, another 25% in my hall, I would populate those and I, I would just try to do all of them and then just segue in as state and government regulations allow me to. And, you know, as we're coming into the summer months, it's going to be easy to uh, perhaps do some outdoor opportunities more than it would be if we were in the middle of uh, a winter in, in a lot of our states. So you, you mentioned a, a few things there, Doug. You mentioned drive-in services, online services, outdoor services. Beyond, beyond those things, is there anything else that people are doing right now that uh, – because I thought the drive-in idea was brilliant. I, I, it's funny that we either move towards the most modern technology that seemed to work or the 1950s. Those were the two choices. <laughs> Everything forward of the 60s and, and last week was, you know, was irrelevant. So is there any other things besides outdoor, online – and drive-in services that you're seeing work? So one of the churches that um, 
has a strong value in small groups, they're actually trying to watch the service in their small group settings. So they all get on Zoom, then they bring in the feed, and then afterwards, they just kind of talk about it. Hey, what did you think about Pastor Jeremy's message? How did you feel? And so I'm watching the fostering of the small group kind of create a dynamic that um, some of those were asked to do maybe once a month, but now we're asking you to do this every single week and, and following that along. But uh, uh, I, I can't think of any others. I, I, I know some of the southern states um, kind of renting or purchasing the big tent and again, doing, doing the outdoor kind of a thing uh, because you can both social distance uh, a little easier that way. And, uh, but again, I, I, I've been blown away by the creativity, you know, and I have a burden. I have a burden as we kind of come back into this, that we won't ruin our testimony by doing something knee jerk or prematurely. I want to maintain a strong prophetic voice in September so I know in doing that, we got we to gotta keep demonstrating, boy, we're, a, we're the body of Christ that understands this isn't just an assault to religious liberty. This was a public safety situation. So for me, I want the government leaders to go, wow, look at the church. They're setting the pace. They're, they're, they're actually bringing culture back with them, kind of like Joseph did or like Daniel did or Paul when he was on the ship with all of those sailors that they would, they would look to us to be model in phasing back in and uh and because you when you think about it both both sides of the party have deemed the church as essential i don't i don't want to lose that ability for them seeing houses of worship and churches as essential and um, my scriptural reference for that is you know in acts 2 when the bible says and they enjoyed the favor of all it didn't just say they enjoyed the favor of the church they enjoyed the favor of all. so somehow in that early church they caught the favor of even community fathers who were maybe pre-Christian. And uh, I, I want to keep doing that. Yeah. Well, our, our time is, uh, is running out on us here, but uh, we are just so grateful. Uh, I wonder if you wouldn't mind sticking around for one more podcast here. Sure. Maybe, Cause I know there's a lot of questions that people are wanting to ask somebody. And from your perspective, I really think you do a great job of doing that. So would you stick around for one more podcast after this one? Sure. All right, so we're going to have a bonus round after this. But in the meantime, guys, we're just so glad that you were able to join us today. Uh, John, if people are trying to navigate these things, what's the best way to, to, for Converge and, and those questions to connect? Jim, if they just go to our website, convergecoach.com, and click on a button that says Contact Us, or there's another button, Start a Conversation. Um, that's the best way that they can reach out to us. And we're happy to resource them either directly or indirectly to other organizations that we feel might be able to help them better than ourselves. Thank you so much. Well, on behalf of Converge, John Opaluski, Doug Clay, and myself, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to uh, speaking again to you real soon as we all learn to lead from alignment.